the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. Welcome in. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. It's an odd dedication, isn't it? Some people will make you wow and gee whiz about their financial knowledge. Some people tell you what to think about politics and who you should vote for or you know why they hate the world. Me, I want you to live comfortable from age 60 to 100. I want you to be able to support your grandkids and you know have them pick a hand with chocolate in it. I want you to be able to travel the world and see things that you're supposed to see. From age 20 to 60, we're kind of slaves to the system. We eat, we sleep, we work. We eat, we sleep, we work. Um, we get in that system, and it's pretty common, and I see it way more often than we should, but that's the, the way it is. So from 20 to 60, we work. Now, that's actually an important thing to acknowledge. You only work for 40 years of your life. Now, I got my first job when I was like 13, so maybe I'll work from 13 to 60, and I'm afraid, to be quite honest with you. I've got enough money that I can retire. I'm afraid to stop working because I know that I'm only going to be able to really work till 60. And I'll give you an example. My brother, Clint, uh, when he hit 50, a real smart guy. He's a computer software engineer type guy who can find oil in the ground. That's his shtick. So he worked a lot in the Middle East. And then they started killing people in the Middle East, uh, especially Americans. So he's like, well, better come home. Don't want my head cut off. So comes home and age 50 can't find a job because he's used to six figures. He's used to good health care. He's used to, and the only thing people are willing to give him, you know, not clerical work, but pretty darn close. Ultimately, after two years, he was able to find a great job with the government, but it took two years. So he lost two years of his working career. Give you another example. I've been profiling some workers uh, from the UAW, United Auto Workers, and as they've lost their jobs in Detroit, some of them are are getting distraught because they don't want to work for $8 an hour. They've been making $25 an hour with, you know, uh, a break every two hours and, you know, uh, no more than eight hours and overtime is, you know, quadruple money and things like that. So as we age, your work choices may start to limit you. So it's really critically important to me to get you to retirement and you know, make sure you have enough money. I get emails every day from people who are ultimately poor. They're 45 years old and they got injured at work. And they took two, three years off from work, you know, to recover. Those two, three years, will, you know, it, it might be wonderful to get a little disability insurance. It might be wonderful to catch up on your Dr. Phil's and Oprah's. But it's humbling because then you realize, oh, I haven't been earning money. I've been saving money. I've been barely getting by and three years gone just like that. So you got to get disability insurance. That's another thing that I'll throw out there. But anyway, I'm, I'm really digressing. I really want to get you to retirement. So let's talk about the stock market. First hour of the show, I really, really hardcore dedicate to the stock market as much as I can without boring you. 
Second hour, we get into a little bit more college planning and how to pass on money and credit card debts and should I buy real estate issues, things along those lines. The market gets back in the saddle today. We've kind of been doing a little bit, are we going to correct? Are we not going to correct? Are we going to correct? Are we not going to correct? So we've kind of had this little thing going along. Um, And we don't really quite know what direction we're going to, I'd, I'd say, land. I think we are, oh, Lee Paul died. Les Paul died. That's who died. So uh, Gibson named a guitar after him, but it was Paul's work as an inventor that really rocked the music world. So, okay, so he's dead. Let's move on, shall we? So Tuesday we had selling in the stock market. Uh, Wednesday we had a little bit of a, a rally. Today it's interesting. The market's behavior is going to be closely monitored to see if there's any follow-through of the selling or if the trend of buying and the weakness remains intact. It took about five minutes yesterday to get the answer. Buying on weakness is the mantra that pays. Not a lot of specific news catalyst yesterday to you know justify all that buying. Quick rebounds at the tone for the day that saw the FOMC directive play out pretty much as expected. The Fed Open Market Committee, they talked about the economy and they talked about the recession. And we felt good. They basically said recession over. Bears then were left on the wrong side of the trade. People who are bearish think the market's going to go down. The Fed says out of the recession. People go, wee, sweet, and they, they buy. So you saw some short selling covering yesterday. S&P 500 has recouped nearly the entirety of the Tuesday loss. On Wednesday, it got it all back. Now, it's on track ultimately to recoup that and more. Let's take a quick look and see where we are today in the trading. Uh, Up 36 on the Dow, up 12 on the NASDAQ, up 6 on the S&P 500. So yesterday, well, I guess I could say it this morning, last night, (laughs) Germany... In France, what I would refer to as old Europe, they both reported a smaller than expected loss or a smaller, better than expected. Their economies are doing better than expected. Walmart comes up this morning and they reassured us on their earnings report. There is a 13F filing. What is a 13F filing? It's one of those things that you have to file with the SEC when you buy a big chunk of a company and a company called Paulson and Company. Bought a big chunk of Bank of America. A wealthy person believes that Bank of America is a buy at these levels to the tune of 168 million shares. That's a lot of do re mi. Now, the economic data, it's cooled off a little bit today. We saw July retail sales report disappointment. That's a reminder that we are still in the midst of a rising stock market, but the consumer ain't all that he used to be and then downright ultimately weak overall. Now, for the month, retail sales... Down one-tenth of a percent. If you exclude autos, they were down six-tenths of a percent. Okay, so last month we had the cash for clunkers. And retail sales were still on the the weak side. Now, again, they could have been a lot worse, down six-tenths of a percent instead of down one-tenth of a percent. Both figures very, very uh, much so below the consensus. Now, few pockets of growth in our economy. Parts dealers up 2.4% year-over-year. Healthcare uh, stores up seven-tenths of one percent. Clothing stores up six-tenths of a percent. And that's about it. So food services up four-tenths of a percent. So those companies that are inside those four sectors of retail might have a chance to win because the July economic data was better than expected there. Now, where were we weak? Electronic stores, sporting goods stores down 1.9 percent, furniture stores, general merchandise, and some miscellaneous retailers. So there's a tendency to dismiss some of these retail sales numbers because a lot of the country takes advantage of what are called tax-free holidays. 
and those got pushed into August this year. So there's going to be some makeup in August, we think. But I'm not going to be honest with you. Those retail sales numbers were weak. Now, separately, we got more weakness today from the jobless numbers. People fly, filing for unemployment increased 558,000 from the revised 554,000 previous week. Now, continuing claims fell slightly to 6.20 million. So right now, people who are continuing their claims of unemployment, 6.2 million Americans having a problem finding a job. So there's cold comfort in the drop. There's very cold comfort in that drop. It's the continuing claims. It's people are losing their benefits and they're, they're getting discouraged. Any reading on initial claims north of 400,000 is bad. Any reading north of 500,000 is just downright bad. So the labor market's weak, retail market's weak, consumer spending's weak. I'm not all that pumped. I'm not all that excited. Foreclosures up 7% in the month of July, making matters worse. People are getting kicked out of their homes. Foreclosure market shows foreclosure filings, uh, 360,149 for the month of July. U.S. properties during the month, um, an increase of 32% year over year, but up 7% month to month. So there's a little bit of momentum hitting in these foreclosures. July marks the third time in five months where we've seen a new record set for foreclosure activity. Now, despite continued efforts by the federal government and state governments to patch together a safety net for distressed homeowners, we're seeing significant growth in defaults and people going into foreclosure. For 31 consecutive months now, Nevada is the nation's highest foreclosure rate state. I'm having trouble with some of my words today. Um, in Nevada, one in 56 homes are in foreclosure. That's more than six times the national average. Now, what does Nevada have? If you think about it, and I, I mean this lovingly, not much. They got Vegas, Dump, Reno, Dump, Sparks, kind of nice retirement community, and Carson City, Dump. Hmm. I can see why they're foreclosures. Oh, oh, and they also have a lot of desert. So you patch that together and you got too much land, not enough jobs. And you can see why the foreclosures are through the roof there. So there we go with that. Import prices down. Import prices. Stuff that we bring into the country down. Now, typically, I'd say that's pretty good. If we're increasing our exports, that would be, you know, probably a healthy thing to see. But the import numbers are down in large part because oil's cheaper. So it's really... We still have a, a strong demand for that oil coming in. Um, let's get a break. I think I've, I've hit on the things that I have to hit on. I'll hit on them with more color coming up. I've got some good tech talk for you today. I think some really interesting stories in technology, to be quite honest with you. And um, some good investment ideas that are out there floating around due to Wall Street Research Day. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. You can find me online at 910kndw.com. During the commercial breaks... I jump online and I interact with you. Bring the stock questions on air by calling 800-345-5639, but jump on the 910 KNEW blog and let's share some ideas there as well. KNEW. This is Rob Black. Little GNR. Les Paul guitar. Slash. 
800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Okay. At times, I will tell you that I absolutely love my job. I really do. I feel it's a guilty pleasure to be able to get up and study world markets and you know learn about technology innovation and learn about company greed and scandals. And it, it's, it keeps me young. I'm not pushing, you know, a sweater and working at Banana Republic saying, gee, that looks really good on you. Gee, that looks really good on you. Gee, that looks re-. like I don't have a repetitive nature to my job. I'm pretty lucky. But at times, I'll tell you what, I, I almost want to, to quit. I got an email yesterday from Belgian. He's on our live blog on occasion. So he watches me on Cron and listen to this. I mean, this just shows you why I, I hate people. And I, I seriously don't like people. I like to stay in my car and swipe my gas card and I show up to work one minute before I go on air and I leave almost instantly after I'm not good at interacting. I tell the secretary to, you know, not talk to me and just whisper at me. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really interact terribly well. So anyway, um, so Balgit says, uh, I watched your show on Cron. It's like you phoned in your show yesterday, but I think it may have been your goatee and sideburns distracting me. I really think you need to shave your goatee and sideburns um, so you don't show gray hair because I ain't digging it. It makes you look more hip and you can get a national gig. Okay. Balgit, you're an idiot. Balgit, you're the reason why people hate Americans. Balgit, I would, if I could lobotomize you, I would lobotomize you with a spork. Part spoon, part fork. Not quite sure why they're invented, but that's what I would do to you. Because our society would be better without you. You've got too much time on your hands to be sitting there critiquing people's looks. I don't care about your opinion. There you go. I don't care about your opinion. How does it make you feel? <laughs> Please keep listening to the show and tell friends. Oh, good golly. Um, so I told you there's some good tech stories out there today. And I really, yeah, no secret. Uh, I grew up with a joystick in my hand. I uh, love technology. I'm intrigued by technology. Uh, the, you know, 8086 processor becoming the 286, becoming the 386, becoming the 486, getting into the Pentium line of semiconductors. I love that stuff. I dig it. I eat it right up. So there's some stories out there today. Goldman Sachs today is cutting Nokia. They're cutting their rating on Nokia. But here's where it gets kind of interesting. Now, Nokia, correctly pronounced Nokia, and Nokia used to make rubber galoshes. That's the business that they got in, that they were in before they got, uh, got into making phones. But anyway, they were downgraded today to hold. They were removed from their conviction list. So huge mobile phone maker. Around the world, number one. Not even close. So the company is finished, and I'm not holding that against them, but Goldman says most of their problems are self-inflicted rather than cyclical. It found that the rising competition is threatening Nokia's 55% market share in the mid-end smartphone segment, while a recovery at the high end is unlikely in the next 12 months. So Nokia has no product right now. And here's, you know, investment lesson. In the 1980s, if I was doing the show, I'd be talking about Michael J. Fox and Reagan I'd be talking about, you know, gee, it's a tough job market out there. But I'd also be telling you a great cell phone company's company called Motorola. Not even a cell phone company, but a mobile phone company. And um, you'd be like, yeah, Motorola is the best in the world. Okay, so Nokia got on the digital track. I know, we used to have analog cell phones. So Motorola was the king of analog. Nokia became the king of digital. And Nokia basically ran away with the whole 90s. They, they, they got the crown. Now, in comes Palm... In comes Apple, in comes the BlackBerry. And what's happening? 
Nokia, well, first and foremost, Motorola is dead. They're not even around anymore. They're, they're internet roadkill. Now Nokia is starting to look like they could go internet roadkill. Now they're too big to honestly go internet roadkill. But what this story doesn't tell you, what Goldman Sachs isn't saying here is that Nokia is losing out due to BlackBerry's success and Apple's success. So if you're a shareholder of Research in Motion, maker of the BlackBerry, if you're a shareholder of Apple, maker of the iPhone, you should see stories like this. You should get, hey, we're probably doing something right. When there's negativity on Nokia, that means we're probably doing something right. Now, let's keep talking about technology. Research in Motion got an upgrade today to $87. To me, they're the second prettiest sister. I want the prettiest sister. I don't want Research in Motion. I want Apple. Kaufman raised their price target on Research in Motion to $87 from $79. Companies going to hit the upper end of their guidance range following industry and supply chain checks. Research in Motion's recent product launches going incredibly well. The firm is noting that the pickup is very positive feedback on the BlackBerry Tour. Momentum at Verizon continues to be strong. New flagship premium smartphones. Um, so I, when you talk about smartphones, you also have to talk about the, the service providers. And I'll get there. I'll get there in just a second. So back to Research in Motion. You can make money being number two. I prefer to hedge my bets, so to speak, by buying the best of breed. Best of breed's Apple. Now, you probably can't make as much money in Apple as you can in Research in Motion, but I'd rather limit my upside so I can limit my downside. Got it? Okay, so let's move on to, let's stay in this technology cell phone world. So Verizon. Momentum at Verizon seems to be doing incredibly well. Now, what they're saying, though, is the Palm Pre is not selling as well as it, it, as it was. The BlackBerry Curve selling very, very well. So Verizon's telling us the Pre not doing so good, BlackBerry doing well. So I'm going to have to pass on Palm. Palm was downgraded today to hold, to sell from hold, price target of 750 Ultimately, pre-sales have slowed significantly. Pre-sales have slowed at approximately 100,000 units in July from 200,000 units in June. Um, August shipments are tracking lower than July's. So pre-shipments are going to be expected to be about 400,000 in the quarter. They're not going to hit 400,000. Long story short, they might hit 350, but that's a disappointment for a hot new product. So, so far I'm giving you Nokia slipping, Apple's taking the crown. Research in motion second number 2, YO number 2 when you get on number 1, and Verizon telling us number 3, the pre ain't all that. You could even go further in this story by Learning today that pre, Palm came out with this weird press release. Did you know that the Palm is beaming your location back to headquarters? So the, the, the executives at Palm know where you are when you have your phone. That freaks some people out. To me, I'm not all that freaked out by it. Now, of course, it makes sense that when your application fails, it might send a little note to headquarters. Hey, fix this application. It's crashing the phones. And privacy policy is in place, so says Palm, but they want to use your information on where you are so they can better services like Google Maps, so says management. To me, this is a non-issue. I see this press release out there that Palm's monitoring where you are, big brother in society, and some people don't like that. I don't care. To me, I can't make money off of it, so I don't care. And finally today, in the world of, you know, what's Apple doing? You got to ask, what's Microsoft doing? Do you remember Microsoft came out with a Zune? Kind of like a poor man's iPod. Now, Microsoft is a totally different beast when comparing them because they're so big. They could lose money on the Zune for years and years and years and years and years. It could be a money loser for them. They just don't want to give up the whole market supply 
to the market share to Apple. So CNET today did some stories on a new zone, and it's acknowledging one of the most well poor, poorly kept secrets out there, that the zoom is going to come out in high definition. So you're going to have a little handheld high definition. Basically, it's an iPod. It's 16 gigabyte touchscreen media player. It's going to sell for $219. 32 gigabyte version is going to sell for $289. Pricing's already leaked at Best Buy and Amazon. Now, September 15 launch date for this product. Microsoft's also going to start taking pre-orders for the device and starting September 15, delivering them. So you get five colors. We stole that idea from Mac. You might remember that. Um, you can see these Zune Originals, as they're called, ZuneOriginals.net. And you can add one of ten engravings by a guest artist on the back of the device. They're kind of getting all hip-hoppy on them. Now, what's interesting about this, and this is where I've just basically done commercial for the Zune, high definition. But this is where I find interesting, okay? Okay, stick with me for one more second. It's got an OLED, which is an organic light-emitting diode display. Okay, no big deal. Nice feature, right? It's got a multi-touch web browser. Mm, okay, nice feature. Big deal. That's already out there. But it's also got the ability to send video in 720 points to HDTV using a dock sold separately. So now you can download movies onto your device and watch it at a pretty darn good resolution on your TV if you get a docking device for your TV. Now, this isn't the end-all, be-all, right? But this is the direction Apple has to move in. Everything is converging. We used to have Palm Pilots. We used to have our little personal digital assistant, or PDA. And then we started putting phones in that, or phones started doing uh, pilot-like you know, tech ideas and calendars and things like that. So that whole device and technology went bunk. Um, there's something called convergence where a phone is trying to be a TV, a TV is trying to be an internet and internet's trying to be a TV, an internet's trying to be a phone. So there's a convergence of technologies and it's all about your television because 99% of Americans have televisions. It's a good penetration rate. Apple wants into that 99%. Microsoft wants into that 99%. Now Microsoft has the Xbox, which is in the TV. If you think about it, you could watch movies through the Xbox. Not a lot of people do it who are over 30 years old, but you can do it. Where do I go with the story? The plugging into your TV and watching movies off your device, I think the next big thing Apple comes out with is going to be obviously a tablet. But after that, it's going to be a TV or ways to interact with your TV a little bit more, you know, a smart TV, whether it be browsers in it, whether it be your TV that can you know, manage all your files and your pictures. Like, why do we have pictures on our, our laptops of our, uh, our, our kids, our family, our loved ones? Why not? Put them on TV. That's where we, we sit around the most. You know, we, we huddle around the vision, uh, the big tube, so to speak. So that's the final frontier of this. And I guess in a very, very long way, I'm saying Microsoft's taking baby steps and they're going to force Apple to take baby steps. And ultimately, they will all get there. But um, that's the golden grail. That's the where everyone in technology wants to go. Your TV. Get your calls on there. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break here. More on the markets, more on investing, more on technology. Coming up.
Black is watching your wallet, live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. So tomorrow I've got a guest coming on talking property tax. Prop 13, Valerie Paltis, property tax expert. So we're going to be talking property tax issues. We're going to talk Prop 13. Has it played a role in our budget crisis? Yes or no. We're going to talk about how you can recover all the money you may have given to uh, the tax people in air, how to garner tax refunds from the law, um, how to Prop 13 can be used in the right way, Prop 13 can be used in the wrong way. So tomorrow, going to do a little bit of chitty chatty on taxes in California's Prop 13. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, you need a good, you need to learn how to handle insurance properly. Uh, they typically say 10 times your income for life insurance is a good number to start with. But that's not necessarily, that's just, that's just a good number to start with. And for instance, when I talk investments, I to say, you know, go 10, 20% large, 20% mid, 20% small, 20% international, 20% income. But that's just a place to start with. And again, depending on how old you are or how young you are or how much you've saved or not saved, those numbers could all be very dramatic different, um, you know, uh, playouts. One thing that I really have got to get you focusing on is having the right amount of insurance and never, ever use insurance as an investment. So when an insurance agent says, oh, yeah, you could take money from this uh, insurance account, this life insurance account. And oh, yeah, you're going to get, you know, some of your money back. It sounds good, right? But there's a better way to do it. You buy term life and invest the rest. Uh, if a life insurance agent tells me, oh, yeah, you could use it as an investment opportunity, I throw water on them. So I throw water on them and run. That's typically not very good advice in your life, but that's what I do because I'm kind of a bully. A um, couple things about life uh, car insurance. It's, it's really, it's not about you. So you need to shop around. Life insurance, I'm sorry, auto insurance can be shopped around. It's all about your age, your location, your driving history. But insurance rates for a new model on a new car are much higher than insurance on a used car. So keep in mind, it's, it's, you're only one small factor in it. I think in life, if you get that midlife crisis, don't go out and buy a new car. So I always laugh when I see a, a gray, gray-haired man driving a Dodge Viper or BMW. You know, the, the premiums on a BMW are so much higher than the premiums on, you know, a nice, reliable automobile. So, um, you know, a sports car, you're going to be paying $2,000, uh, Hyundai Entourage, you're going to be paying $800. So keep in mind that that car is going to drain some of your financial resources. Um, safe drivers save lives and money. So um, try to put together a good uh, driving record. Cut down on the speeding tickets and the moving violations. They add about 30% to your insurance rate. And uh, they could be even 50% or more. Eh. I know when you're 20, you tend to have that lead foot. I had a lead foot when I was 20. And for some reason, it just all my speeding tickets in my life happened you know, under the age of 25. Um, and deductibles, car insurance. And I've got a friend who uses car insurance as like a payday. So if he gets hit, he goes and he does the deduction or he doesn't do the deduction, just pockets the money. So he uses car insurance as a way of of like getting a new TV. I know you're saying, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, don't do that. I have very high deductibles and 
if I come home and, you know, someone's dinged my door, well, I'll drive a, do- a car with a dinged door. I'm not going to get it fixed. I'm definitely not going to call my insurance and get it, it fixed properly. If it's that much of an issue for me, I'll either buy a new car or I'll go out and get that, you know, part fixed. I really won't use the insurance. I will use the insurance when I flip over the car. I will use the insurance when I hit somebody else. I will not use the insurance for a cosmetic upgrade, so to speak, on my vehicle in any way, shape, or form. Okay, let's talk about um, some of the other stories out there on Wall Street today. Walmart's a pretty big one. Walmart is bigger than retailers 2, 3, 4, and 5 put together. So they tell us a little bit about our economy. Now, they said that profit came in at $3.44 billion. They earned $3.44 billion. You know what kills me about Walmart? They do so great in the United States, but every time they try to expand internationally, some markets they do okay in, but most markets are flops for them. They haven't really been able to export their business model. Now, Walmart raised the bottom end of its full-year profit forecast. This is important because when you raise your profit forecast, you're giving Wall Street some assurance that, okay, here's where we're going to be. And they're not lowering it, i.e. They don't, they're not seeing trends of people you know, not coming. They're seeing trends of people coming a little bit more than they expected. So Walmart's an important company. They also have some currency exchange rate issues, so it loses a little bit of flavor and flair for me, but I pay attention. There's no doubt about it that I pay attention when Walmart reports the numbers. And what they told me was they still are getting business from the uh, targets of the world. People are downsizing or downgrading their, their retail shopping experience all the way down to the Walmart level. Now, Credit Suisse today comes out, and they raise the, the copper price forecast. You know, it's no secret. I don't hide too much. Uh, I show you. I, I call it as I see it. Um, the the radio hosts who push gold, you know, oh, gold's the greatest investment. Buy now. You know, before I was a before they were a client of mine, I was a client of theirs. Um, that's just a bunch of hogwash. If you really want to buy gold as an investment, you're using it for one of two things. You see a pickup in the economy creating inflation, or you see things going to heck in a handbasket in the economy, and it creates a hedge. Um, It's a hard asset. It's something you can grab and pick up. One ounce is one ounce. But that's true of all commodities. A basket of corn is a basket of corn. Um, A bushel of wheat is a bushel of wheat. Uh, Oil is oil. Natural gas is natural gas. A gallon is a gallon, or barrel is a barrel. You know, metal, zinc, copper, they're, they're hard assets. Gold isn't the only hard asset, and gold isn't the only way to play inflation. The best way to play inflation is copper. The best way to play heck in a handbasket is gold. Now, copper is an industrial metal, and Credit Suisse comes out today, and they raise their expectations on copper. They're forecasting $2.90 a pound for 2010 and $3.30 a pound for 2011. If you do a little bit of math there, that's a good 10% hike. That's pretty good. If you're copper... You've just done pretty good. The global outlook's improved for the second half of 2009, especially in China. For copper, they see a balanced market across the forecast period implying tighter prices. It also lifted the aluminum price forecast for the second half of 2009. So, okay, now here's where I want to get into a little bit more color on copper. And we just heard aluminum prices are going up. Okay, if copper prices are going to go up 10% in a short period of time and aluminum prices are going to go up, what's that mean? Okay, well, people that put copper pipes in your house, they're going to charge you more. For cars that are made with copper and cars that are made with aluminum, they're going to have to charge you more because they're seeing increases in their raw materials. So that's considered wholesale price inflation. Will it be passed on to you, the consumer? 
sometimes companies have a tough time passing that on. And if they can't pass it on, then they suffer in profits. Their profit margins go down. You get the, the idea there on why it's important to pay attention to copper. And uh, what this story is telling me on the copper prices going up, it's telling me that inflation's coming in my life. That corporate America, they're not going to just sit there and say, oh, you know what? Golly gee shucks. We're, we can't pass on the prices to you. Ultimately, they manage. Sometimes they have to downsize their workforce. Um, they can eat it on that side, but only for so long. And down the road, they raise prices on us. So keep in mind, a little bit of inflation is going to start coming in no time soon. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Again, tomorrow I'm going to have a tax expert on in the first hour of the show. Um, so if you want to get some tax insight, tax questions, it's a good time to call tomorrow. Uh, but today I'm still here for another hour, 15, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Yeah, this is Charlie Murphy, and you're listening to Rob Black on Talk 910 KNEW. to get your calls on the air. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Kind of pumped. I'm kind of excited. It's a little bit too early in the week to say this, but I'm looking forward to the weekend. Mad Men comes back Sunday night, and it's must-see television, in my opinion. It's on American Movie Classics, AMC. Um, Fun show. It's all based on the Manhattan-based Sterling Cooper Advertising Agency. Um, It's just fun because you get to see an America that it's glorified, but you get to see an America where they smoked cigarettes at work and uh, they chased women at work and they drank whiskey at work. You get to see some Weasley characters. You get to see some backstabbing. Uh, importantly, you get to see just magnificent clothes where you go, wow. So anyway, uh, sex, booze, professional glory. It's it's pretty good show. Hopefully you get a chance to uh, check in on it. Let's go to Mitch in San Jose. Mitch. Hey, Rob. Hey, Mitch. Hey, I've got a question. You, um, you use... Um historical PE ratios sometimes to um, talk about value of a stock, which I, you know, I find that that's probably a pretty good idea, but yeah. I don't know where to find that. Where, where, what kind of website do you find that on? I use uh, Reuters Financial, which is a pay service. Um, okay. I use a Bloomberg Terminal, which is a pay service. Um, ValueLine, you could find it at ValueLine. You can go to your library this weekend, and I know you're saying, I'm not going to the library, but Americans should go to the library a little more often. They're wonderful free tools there. Um, Value Line is an expensive publication to get, so I tend not to say the average person should use it um, unless they get it for free on the weekends at the library. But Value Line does a really nice job of showing you uh, historical PEs, and I think that's important, and thanks for the call, because it gives you a a trading range. A PE is a price-to-earnings ratio, and if you were to say Apple has historically traded in a PE range of 20 to 70. Now, it traded at 70 during the GoGo.com era, so you go, okay, that's we got to trim that down. So let's say it goes from 20 to 60, and it's currently trading at 22. In the last five years, historically, it's pretty cheap at this point in time. Now, it doesn't mean that it can't get cheaper, but that's one va- valuable data point for you to chew on. Um, it can help eliminate some risk, because what it's saying is in the last five years, 
investors have never really found a reason to sell it much lower than at 20 times earnings. And if it's at 60, you can know that it last five years, investors haven't really felt to chase it and push it higher than 60. Somewhere in the middle. Maybe that's the, the average. I tend to say, let's not go with the average. Let's try to find some value in the stock market. You could do the same thing when you're using charts, for instance. If you take a look at a one-year chart or a five-year chart or a 10-year chart, you could see at what point did people say, I'm not going to sell my shares of Apple anymore. Um, and then that five-year period or that 10-year period, you can go, okay, there were some crazy days. There was the credit crisis of October 07 to uh, October of 08, that one-year period where the market just slid. There was the three-month period from October 08, um, November 08, December 08, January 09, where the market just fell apart. So these are big events. There was 9-11. You could, you could figure out big events, and you could see where the stock has sold below and or higher. So you could look at a chart. A chart will tell you, on the worst day possible, the stock didn't get cheaper. So there's some simple things you can do to try to, to make things better for you. Now, this simple analysis, it can be a little bit misleading. For instance, back to the price to earnings in the last five years, maybe Apple's been as low as 20. But what happens if they took this huge gain where they, they decided to sell off, spin off their iPod division? And they took this big, big gain because they made a second company called Apple iPod. And that was publicly traded. So they had this big gain that they have to give shareholders because you know they would share that with the shareholders. Uh, or what happens if... Oh, good God. Um, they decide that they're going to come out with um, an Apple raincoat. And no one goes out and buys this Apple raincoat that has an iPod built into it. So they take this huge loss. They, they fire everyone in that division. They have to close down buildings. It's this huge loss. So sometimes comparing on PEs doesn't tell you the whole story. That's why it's not as easy as you think. But it's a pretty good place to start your analysis. Um, it's free. You know, you can do a lot of this on your own. And eliminate some of the risks, so to speak. Um, some things that you look for, like funds from operation, cash flow. Uh, you could look at it on a quarter by quarter, year over year basis. Are they ha- bringing in more cash? Or are they sending more cash out? Do they need cash? Uh, you could look for charges on the balance sheet. So uh, I highly recommend our listening audience take a, a class on accounting if you get a chance to. So uh, it will teach you probably as much about the stock market as I will. So next up, let's talk a little nuanced communications. A nuanced communications publicly traded. Ticker symbol N-U-A-N, N-U-A-N. And they basically do speech. A lot of people want nuanced communications to be that technology that takes operating systems to the next level. I mean, don't you think Apple and Microsoft would kill for you to say open word and talk into your computer, open web browser, go to Yahoo. Um, Yeah, down the road, we want speech tied towards our operating systems. So nuance is pretty well played in this area and they've bought a lot of the other companies that were in this technology but that's not really what they're aiming for they're not going for operating systems they're going for automobiles where you talk to your car uh you know bring up the map directions to rob's house uh consumer electronics dictation systems um especially in the healthcare industry huge field in healthcare they say that's uh, going to revolutionize healthcare is you know the ability to speak into a chart and have your, your stuff recorded that way and save money. Now, revenues for Nuance, sticker symbol N-U-A-N, uh, in the last three years, $388 million, $602 million, $868 million. In the last three years, that's pretty impressive. They've doubled their revenue in two years, from $388 million to $868 million. Have you doubled your revenue in the last two years? Now, companies, 
And I hear a lot of liberal nut jobs scream that companies shouldn't be people. Companies are people. They're defined a corporation as a living individual. They share the profits with the shareholders. It's a complicated thought pattern, but go with it. So when I say, have you doubled your revenue in the last three years? Uh Uh-uh. This company's doubled their revenue in the last two years. I want them to be my friend. I'm looking at the company. I don't own shares of the company at this point in time. I'm still doing some research on it. Income has gone from 10 million to 40 million. So not only have they doubled their revenues, but they've tripled their profits. Now, they've also lost money in the process because they've been buying other companies and integrating them. So it's, it's complicated, right? And Nuance posted a solid June quarter. The company was able to beat the street on top and bottom line. Top line is revenue. Bottom line is earnings. So when you have your financial statements, you always stop, start with revenues. And then you have to pay people. And then you have to build buildings and electricity and marketing. That's all the middle stuff. And then at the bottom, it's bottom line income. So Nuance is seeing improving demand conditions on the heels of strengthening hosted business on the all-important healthcare front. That's what I was saying. Tight cost controls are in place. The company is trying to make sure that their operating margins, i.e. the difference between their top line and their bottom line, is as strong as it can be. Speech continues to gain traction in their in markets, and healthcare speech continues to be cited as a key to the transition for electronic records. Um, they're seeing customers retiring touch-tone services and installing speech-based services on their phones. Much, much, much more so. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I haven't done enough research on Nuance, but I'm starting to do a little bit more. To get your calls in there, it's 800-345-5639. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.